the survival guide to life a podcast about how to win in life every second physically mentally spiritually financially consistently how's it going and we have another episode of survival guide to life with our biggest most heavyweight guest speaker of all the episodes we have Dr. Danny Brassel and for anyone who hasn't heard of him you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm sure they're not Amar but thank you for saying that. Uh, I'm, I'm Dr. Danny Brassel, America's leading reading ambassador on a mission to bring the joy back into education in the workplace by transforming struggling and reluctant readers into more passionate proficient readers. See I find that most schools do a decent job of teaching kids how to read but what good is it teaching kids how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid to go read a book. I want them to choose to do it on their own. And now that there's millions of parents around the world involuntarily homeschooling their parents, uh, many of them are rushing to uh, my Read Better in 67 Steps program, which teaches them how to help their kids read more, read better, and love reading in just over two months. And so I really appreciate this opportunity to join you today. You appreciate it, Dr. Denny. We appreciate you coming on and being able to benefit from you. Now, my next question for you is, what do you hope to achieve through this program, Dr. Well, so what we're trying to do with uh, ReadBetterIn67steps.com is basically I'm trying to teach parents how to create a daily reading habit in their kids. So people always ask, why did we create the program to last 67 days? And the reason is you'll hear a lot of uh, people, a lot of like self-help gurus, personal development coaches, people I, I actually respect and admire, will say it takes 21 days to change a habit. And to those people, I say, well, show me the research on that. I actually know where the number comes from. It's from a great book written in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz called Psycho-Cybernetics. And in the preface of that book, Dr. Maltz, who was a plastic surgeon, notes that he, he observed that most of his patients, it takes them about 21 days to get used to their new face. Well, a lot of people took that number and started saying it takes 21 days to change a habit, but there's no research to support that. So back in 2009, researchers at the University of London did a long-term habit formation study, and they found that it took anywhere from 18 to 254 days to change a habit, and the average was 66. Well, I don't like the number 66, so I threw in a bonus day to make it 67. So 67 days, to change a habit. And I'll tell you why that's an important number. You know, you'll have a lot of people that will follow a diet religiously for 21 days, but then on day 22, they fall off the wagon and then they start blaming themselves. Well, that's completely wrong because research shows it takes at least three times longer than that to form a habit. Uh, you know, and when they were looking at habitation, it might take you 18 days to start drinking a glass of water before uh, breakfast but it's gonna take you 254 days to, chain, to to quit smoking. And I think that's really important for people to understand. It's not something that happens overnight. Now, the goal of our program is to get the kids reading for 20 minutes a day. The reason for that is research around the world uh, has been focused on what makes successful people successful. So they look for patterns and they discovered one that astonished them. And it was the amount of 
minutes spent reading outside of school. And so they looked at the lower students, the average students, and the higher students, and they found something astonishing. The students that test in the 20th percentile at the bottom of the class, they average less than a minute a day reading outside of school. That's not really that surprising. That's probably why they're at the bottom of the class. But the kids in the middle of the class, in the 70th percentile, your C students, they average 9.6 minutes a day reading outside of school. And so when I'm doing a live parent training, this is usually when the first parent raises their hand and asks, wait a sec, are you saying if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes a day at home, I can take him from an F to a C? That's exactly what I'm saying. The research is actually pretty clear on this. But what was even more startling was the kids at the top of the class in the 90th percentile. Do they spend three hours a day reading outside of school? No. Do they spend one hour a day reading outside of school? No. The average was just under 21 minutes a day. And so that's my goal is I'm going to help you find those 20 minutes a day to encourage your kid reading at home. They don't have to be consecutive. Uh, for example, my own children, while they're eating breakfast, I open up uh, my computer and there's a great program called StorylineOnline.net from the Screen Actors Guild that has... Uh, a lot of actors reading aloud books, and every book is closed captioned for the, the kids. So it's about a 12-minute video usually. So there's 12 minutes right there. If I'm driving my kids in the car, I always have a book on tape, and those minutes count. Uh, one of the quickest wins I can give to any parent is I believe that television is here to stay, and so I always encourage parents to turn on the closed captioning on their television sets. Now, a lot of people will say, well, wait a second, the show's in English and the subtitles are in English, what good does that do? That's a fair point, but let me make another point. Uh, how, how many people have ever watched a TV program with subtitles and not looked at those subtitles? That's very difficult to do. Your brain is attracted to those to the text. And so those are just a couple of uh, real quick wins, Amar, that we can do uh, to really encourage our kids uh, to read more at home. Okay. So just in myself, when I was a kid, I did not you know, spend that much time reading, nor was my parents, like, I, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from them, they gave me a good love, but they didn't really encourage it or show me that love, but, and then I know, I only later on did I understand the the need plus fault of uh, liking myself, you know, in order to earn more, you must learn more. And then, um, not only that, I think, like, becoming, like, a philomath and, like, you know, falling in love with knowledge is something that should be introduced at a young age. And then I noticed that with my niece, my cousin, she's a anesthesiologist and her husband's, like, a business risk analyst. She, she, they, they introduced reading to her, like, maybe at four or five now. She, she doesn't want to watch TV. She, she reads all day. But at the age of seven, she knows the whole periodic table, and like she's she's very uh, past her. So I think like your strategy is correct, and uh, it's very beneficial. But how do you now? How do you? I, I'm sure with your busy schedule and stuff, how, how do you go about prioritizing or making time for the, trying to do everything? Like I sometimes have this problem, you know, trying to. Com trying to do everything and I never can. Yeah, so I, when I'll do a parent training, a lot of parents will tell me they don't have time to read. I'm like, yeah, who has time to read after you watch TV and drink a beer and go shopping? I mean, who has time to read? It's all, you already said the word, it's all about your priorities. And so you have to make reading part of your daily routine. And so 
for me, uh, I always start and end my day reading something positive. So something like the Bible or, or something else that's uplifting, something that puts me in a good mood. A lot of people, they'll read the newspaper and I'm like, wow, the news is about the most negative thing you can put in your brain. So I, I would avoid that. Uh, with my own children, there's some habits and routines we established very early. So uh, it sounds like your sister's doing a marvelous job as a mother. Uh, my kids actually don't realize that you can go to bed without reading a book because from a very early age, they, they've always joined my, my wife and me in bed and we read aloud to them before they go to bed. It's just a daily part of our routine. My kids know that before they turn on the TV set, the price of admission is a book. And so they'll bring me either a book to read or an article from a magazine or the newspaper, and we read that together, and then they're allowed to turn on the television set. So these are simple habits. There's nothing too complicated that we're trying to introduce, but we're trying to show parents things that they can do with their kids. And the benefit, the biggest benefit of the program, I don't even usually tell people until they, they finish the program. Because after 67 days, we find that the typical kid has improved their reading ability by two to three grade levels. And that's great, but that's not my ultimate goal. What we know is the kid is reading more and they're really loving reading. But best of all, I just gave every parent 67 consecutive days of one-on-one -on -one time with their child. Who amongst us, who among us, Amar, wouldn't have just dreamed to have had that kind of individual attention from one of our parents growing up? I gave you the best gift of all time spent with your child and that's where uh, i really i get very excited that uh, so many parents and their kids are able to to spend meaningful time together creating meaningful memories now the, there's so many different uh elements you i think strategized and like concluded before you came up with this uh motto or this plan and what so now my main question or what like led my train of thought was like what like what not motivated you but like gave you the passion to pursue this well that's a great question amar so like you i hated reading growing up my father's a librarian and I always hated libraries. They always smelled funny to me. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. The furniture was always uncomfortable. There's always some freaky guy by the bookshelves who thinks he's a vampire. I never liked reading. It wasn't until uh, I became a teacher in the inner city and I saw that most of the students that I taught, they didn't have both of their parents at home. Their parents certainly didn't read to them at home. And they didn't have all of those reading materials available to them at home. And it was very sobering to me because it made me point the finger at myself and say, shame on me. I had all these advantages and I never realized I had them. And so I, I really made it my mission to make sure that all kids have those opportunities uh, to really not just feed their mind with knowledge, but to, to, to feed their hearts with uh, all kinds of uh, wonderful stories uh, to inspire them to get better. Yeah, because like, especially with... Um the times we're in now, I noticed like just the generation now, they will out loud, you know, pick on someone who cannot articulate themselves as well as they would hope to. And that kind of just shies them away from even wanting to read anymore. Yeah, and that's what we see. You're absolutely right, Amar. It's, it's what's known as called, it's called the uh, Matthew effect. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. So once a kid starts to struggle reading, 
they stop liking reading and so they read less whereas opposed to kids that uh, read well they, they tend to read more and the more they read the better they get and so basically that's where you see the discrepancy in schools where you get the haves and the have-nots uh, the kids that uh, don't identify themselves as readers stop reading and that's the worst thing that they can do that's what's them further and further behind meanwhile the kids that identify themselves as strong readers they decide to do it more and more and that's what's helping them uh, boost their reading proficiency and so that's that's uh, exactly why I decided we need to tackle this problem and I, I don't think that we're doing a good enough job of it in the school system I think they teach kids how to read but they don't teach kids why to read and so for example uh, when I taught second grade I had a seven-year-old boy Kiara whose first grade teacher told me, Kiara don't know anything. I'm like, well, thank you. Well, Kiara, who didn't know anything, would come into my classroom every day and he'd be like, hey, hey, Mr. Grissel, did you see the, the game last night? Barkley had 18 points and 16 boards. I'm like, thank you, Kiara. From that day forward, after lunch, Kiara would always sit on my lap when we'd go through the LA Times sports page and we'd read about basketball and football and baseball. And by the end of the year, Kiara was one of my best readers, and all he ever read about was sports. But I always tell, I always tell this to, to parents and teachers. You know, uh, the the little boy who only reads sports is going to be a better reader than the little boy who's not reading anything. I mean, uh, you know, if you're reading Captain Underpants, Captain Underpants is a gateway drug to get the kid to eventually read Shakespeare someday. But we got to get people interested, and that's how we do it. Okay, and that, that's a good strategy. <laughs> so, like when you when you go about before coming with these you know strategies or these tools of like learning, like when you go about like gathering your information, how do you determine what's relevant and what isn't? So everything I do, Amar, is research-based and classroom-tested and home-tested. Uh, I will never give a strategy that I haven't seen uh, research prove it and back it up, and I, I will never use a strategy that uh, doesn't actually work with kids. And every kid's a little bit different. What works with one kid doesn't necessarily work with another kid, and that's why I always encourage parents and teachers to arm themselves with what I call weapons of mass instruction because we don't know what's going to work specifically with each student. And really what I have found the most effective technique is to find out what the student is interested in and design the program around the student's interest. So if, for example, if, if all you like is soccer, I'm going to make sure all we read about is soccer. I'm going to, I'm going to read aloud to you. I'm going to read with you and I'm going to encourage you to read on your own all about soccer. And that's what's going to uh, really boost your passion for reading. Okay. So, uh, just a, just a, Couple more closing, just like, uh, questions, uh, to wrap up. So someone who's out there not li listening right now, if they don't have a love for reading, what's something you would tell them to slowly, like, gain that passion? Well, uh, I'll, I'll serve your audience the best I can, Amar. So if everybody goes to freereadingtraining.com, again, that's freereadingtraining.com. I'm going to give all of your audience a complimentary copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. This is a book I wrote it for a, a principal who didn't know how to engage his faculty. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. And so every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, 
a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation that demonstrates the same concept. And I'm also going to give you two free digital trainings of live events where I've worked with parents, giving them ideas on ways to get their kids excited about reading. And you already uh, hit the nail on the head, Amar. Uh, by getting your kids excited about reading, I'm also going to get you excited about reading. Kids aren't stupid. I used to uh, run a nonprofit organization called Real Dads Read, and I would say, hey, Dad, you want to know why your kids like football so much? It's because that's the only time you spend with them. If you spent your time reading with them, they'd all want to be readers. My pastor always says, parents have the greatest home field advantage in the history of the planet. You could be the worst parent ever, but your kid doesn't know it. To them, your mom or dad, and that's a very important responsibility. And I, I say that to all teachers as well. We're the most important teachers on the planet. And so uh, uh, that's how you get kids uh, pumped up. And uh, for anybody who doesn't like to read, I encourage them to go again to freereadingtraining.com and I'll get you all pumped up about it because I was that person. I hated reading and uh, it's now become uh, something I'm very passionate about. That's great. Now I'm sure everyone's going to do follow that. And um, if they wanted to, like, you know, check out. If anyone who's listening wanted to go ahead and follow you on social media or YouTube or anything like that, um, what are your handles and how could they do so? And I do ask you, please do come on the show again. Now, Doctor, if anybody listening in on this wanted to follow you on social media or listen to more of your content, um, do you have any social media handles that they can follow and uh, keep up to date? Also, I would love to have you on the show again for a more longer extended period of time. Um, I do apologize again as I'm in the middle of three different startups. Thank you. Yeah, so my name is really easy. It's, it's Danny Brussel. My last name is easy to remember how to spell. It's spelled like Braz Cell. No, I never took any grief over that as a child. So if you go to uh, my website is dannybrussell.com. My YouTube page is youtube.com slash Danny Brussell. Uh, Twitter is Danny Brussell. Everything is Danny Brussell. You'll be sick of Danny Brussell. Uh, but this is my passion is really uh, helping people uh transform from struggling and reluctant readers into more passionate, proficient readers, because uh, I believe that uh, today's readers are tomorrow's leaders, and we need to uh, emphasize reading as much as possible and make it as much as possible. Yeah. Th thanks again, uh, Danny. I appreciate your time. And um, I'll be in touch as well, just personally. And uh, I'll thank Nicole, too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amar. I appreciate it. God bless you. Thanks for the time. Yeah. God, no, thank you for your time. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.